now, time for seafood news. You're listening to the Seafood News Podcast. I'm Seafood News staff writer Amanda Buckle. And I'm seafood market reporter Lauren Castiglione. This week's episode is brought to you by Erner Barry's Reporter, the quarterly news magazine for the food industry professional, packed with the latest industry headlines, analysis, and trending articles. Contact Advertise at Ernaberry.com to be a featured sponsor in the spring edition of The Reporter, which is distributed to thousands of protein industry professionals, including a 5,500 bonus distribution to attendees at Seafood North America in Boston. Make sure you are in front of your customers. Now, some weeks are slow news weeks, but this week seemed a little crazy, which is great for us because that means we've got tons to discuss. That's right. This week, we're talking about Alaska's senators applauding a $30 million Alaskan Pollock procurement contract for nutrition programs, Alaska fishing jobs, two Alaska fishermen in trouble. Now, that's a lot of Alaska news. True, it's a lot. Plus, Mexico's shrimp production, October refusals, a new COO at Atlantic Capes Fisheries, and a very, very expensive crab. Love it. So let's kick things off. Uh, Alaskan Senators Dan Sullivan and Lisa Murkowski are applauding the USDA's latest approval of a Section 31 purchase of Alaska Pollock worth $32 million. The original request, which was submitted by ASME, was for a purchase value of $100 million in Alaska Pollock, and was justified due to the tariffs imposed on Alaska Pollock products by the U.S. and China as part of their trade war. Since then, both Alaska Pollock and Pollock produced in Russia have been exempt. On the Chinese side, there is no additional tariff on Pollock brought into China for re-export, only on Pollock that stays within the country. On the U.S. side, all Pollock products, including both Russian and Alaskan, are exempt from tariffs the U.S. imposed on almost all other seafood items imported from China. Now, Senator Murkowski said in a statement that Alaska Pollock is a significant and lucrative market for Alaska and the United States, accounting for one-third of the country's seafood output. Now, unfortunately, in light of the retaliatory tariffs imposed by China on Alaska Pollock products, many of those involved in the industry have suffered. Murkowski said she is encouraged to know that the USDA, under the leadership of Secretary Perdue, has approved this purchase of Alaska Pollock, which will provide a healthy protein source for American households and help safeguard the livelihoods of so many fishermen and coastal communities across Alaska. Speaking of Alaska fishermen and coastal communities, seafood harvesting jobs in the state grew by just over 8% in 2017, which is the most percent in terms among all Alaska industries. Salmon fishing jobs grew overall, but varied considerably by region, according to the State Department of Labor's November economic trends. The crab fisheries was the only one with employment loss. Wow. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, you can't can't win them all, but that's right. always good to have more jobs out there. And since that's a snippet of good news, let's even it out with some not-so-great news. Two Alaska fishermen were sentenced for harassing and killing stellar sea lions. Shame, shame, shame. Ooh, that's when we ding. need that Yeah, that's that a good clip. one. Yeah. Yep. So if you watch Amanda and I's weekly videos on YouTube, you'll be familiar with this story. Yes, we briefly touched on it in the video, and I've got a ton more details now. So these two Alaska fishermen, John Nichols, 31, and Theodore Teddy Turgeon, 21. I always thought it was weird when um, people give, like, their nicknames. Right. Like, like, Especially for articles like this. Yeah. I'm like, this is in, like, the, the Justice Department's, like, news press release. Like, Theodore maybe, goes by Teddy. <laughs> maybe Theodore is trying to seem a little bit more innocent, which, listen up, it may have helped in his favor. Imagine if his name was, like, Theodore, like, Screwball Turgeon or something <laughs> crazy like that. <laughs> Theodore, like, Theodore, two guns, like <laughs> Theodore, <muscles>. sea lion hater. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Muscles, McGee, Sea Lion, Hater, Turgeon. Okay, so anyway, John Nichols, 31, and Theodore Teddy Turgeon, 21, have been sentenced for harassing and killing stellar sea lions during the opening of the 2015 Copper River salmon season. So this is a while ago, but we're, right. ca- we're catching up to these guys. As Stephen News previously reported back in April, Nichols, who's the captain of the fishing vessel Ironhide, and Turgeon, a deckhand on the Ironhide, were charged with harassing and killing 15 stellar sea lions in the Copper River. Now, according to court documents, Nichols reportedly ordered his crew, including Turgeon, to shoot at stellar sea lions while fishing in the Copper River district. Now, Nichols allegedly steered the Ironhide towards the sea lions, which are an endangered species in Alaska and protected by the Marine Mammal Protection Act. And he steered them, the vessel towards the sea lions so that his crew could get a better shot at them, which you have to be, like, pretty screwed up to be doing yeah. that. Um, but upon learning of an investigation to the deaths of the stellar sea lions, Nichols reportedly obstructed the investigation by coordinating false stories with his crew members. It's crazy. Right. So this past June, the two men each pleaded guilty to one count of Marine Mammal Protection Act, illegal take. In addition, Nichols pleaded guilty to one count of obstruction of a Marine Mammal Protection Act investigation. On Tuesday, U.S. Magistrate Judge Deborah M. Smith sentenced Nichols to five years of probation, three months of home incarceration, and 400 hours of community service. Nichols must also pay a $20,000 fine. Turgeon was sentenced to four years of probation, one month of home incarceration, and 40 hours of community work service. Turgeon must pay a $5,000 fine. Not enough of the ass way. That's like right. 15? Like, that's nuts. You know, like, I know, like, supposedly they're not, like, the nicest sea lions. Like, there's a friendly sea lion and there's not a friendly sea lion. And supposedly these sea lions are not friendly. But, but still, I'm they sure They didn't do not, anything. Right. They steer their vessel towards them. Yeah, they were making it a game after, I'm all, after the first yeah. one. I, I mean, you know, I eat seafood. You know, I'm not, like, that crazy. But as an animal lover, like, that just is not unnecessary. Right. You know, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that is it for Alaska News. Shall we move down to Mexico? Yes, so seafood news publisher John Sackton reports that Mexican shrimp production appears to be up again this year, with some estimates that they may have produced 140,000 tons, up from around 120,000 tons in 2017. This marks the continuation of a strong recovery from disease issues. However, John says this shrimp is not coming to the U.S. Mm -mm. Currently, there is some price weakness on 26, 30 count and smaller, and Ernaberry reported a little weakness on Latin America farm shrimp on Tuesday. 2125s and larger are hard to come by and in short supply. Both sizes have declined in price over the last 18 months, but recently 2125s have firmed while 2630s have weakened. Mexican producers are reportedly limiting their sales to the U.S. and finding a stronger domestic market plus exports to some other destinations. As a result, import figures for September show a steady decline with less imports in 2018 than in 2017. Now, lower price offerings in these sizes may be coming from Ecuador, where the increase in production has run up against a flattening of Chinese demand. But Mexican producers say first that they are happy to put shrimp away in inventory as they feel that they will have ample market opportunities and they are not currently interested in sales to the U.S. at lower prices. In recent years, the expansion of the domestic market in Mexico has been a huge factor. Now, others say that there are only supplying program customers in the U.S. and don't see it as a priority to try and increase sales there. Of course, the devaluation of the peso may make exports more attractive, but many of the larger groups operate in dollars and are slightly insulated from this effect. The upshot is that whatever weakness the market may be seeing this week in 2630s and smaller, it does not appear to be coming from offerings from Mexico. 
So moving on to October refusals. Total refusals of shipments increased 52% from last October to this October. Year to date, there are 96 line item refusals compared to 63 at the same time last year. Now, Tuna had the biggest year-to-date increase in October with 197 line item refusals compared to only 125 in October 2017, which is a 58% increase. Mahi-Mahi refusals also increased with 160 line item refusals this October compared to 121 a year ago. With that said, unclassified fish, tilapia, lobster, snapper, and shrimp are all down year-to-date. Good to know. Good to know. Uh, unclassified fish had a 64.5% drop with 75 line item refusals year to date versus 211 last October. Tilapia had a 53% drop with 30 line, uh, 31 sorry, line item refusals compared to 66 in October 2017. Lobster had a 43% drop with 32 line items uh, year to date compared to 56 a year ago. Snapper had a 32% drop with 38 line items year-to-date compared to 56 a year ago. And shrimp had a 6.4% decrease with 132 line item refusals year-to-date versus 141 a year ago. Now, let's wrap this up with some fun stuff. Um, We want to offer a big congratulations to Samuel Martin, who has just been named the new Chief Operating Officer at Atlantic Cape Fisheries. Um, I think we should start doing this more because I feel like a lot of yes. our stuff is down. So I think we need to like, this is huge. A new COO at right. Atlanta Capes. So congrats. Congrats to Samuel. Sam, we'll call him for short. I think he's good. Sam, hope you're okay with that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Sam Martin has just been named the new chief operating officer at Atlantic Capes Fisheries. Sam, who's a fourth generation fisherman, joined Atlantic Capes Fisheries back in 2008. And prior to being named the new COO, he was the VP of Vessel Operations. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty cool position. Yeah. Good for Sam. And and as a fourth generation fisherman, that's cool. Right. So in his new role, Sam will have direct oversight over the operations of the vertically integrated company. He will be reporting to CEO Jeff Bolton, who replaced Daniel Cohen as CEO last month. Congrats again, Sam. And in our final story of the day, well, wait, I have a question first. Okay, I'm ready. How much would you pay for a snow crab? Ooh, okay. Well, great question because I have not looked at prices. So I, <laughs> I really have no idea. I'd say like I'd be comfortable spending like in the 30s. Yeah, $30. For one? Yeah, $30 for one. Well, a single snow crab was just bought for $23,000 at the season's first auction in the Japanese crab port of Totori. Yep. Nope, not spending that. <laughs> not at all. Well, fortunately, that is not the norm. The reason for the high price tag is like the ceremonial tuna auctions, these crabs are bought for their marketing power. These crabs are known as, and excuse my pronunciation here, Echizengani. Nice job. Thank you. (laughs) That's exactly how you pronounce it. I'm 100% positive. Uh, And that is a name for a special fishery with a large snow crab that takes place in the Sea of Japan. These Echizengani crabs are the most treasured brand name of snow crabs and the only species that are presented to the imperial family. Now that is a luxury I will never be able to enjoy. But still- Don't count yourself <laughs> out just yet. Have you ever done 23andMe? You never know. Oh, maybe I, maybe I can do that. <laughs> uh, move over, imperial family. I'm part of the gang. Let me in on that $23,000 uh, snow crab. But I, I still, like you said, it's not a luxury. It's not, I would never, I mean, unless it was on 
works dime. I would never indulge right. in something like that. <laughs> but I think it's a, still a cool story. But like, honestly, let's like, see if we can expense that next. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next week as we hand over a yeah. food bill to, <laughs> to our CEO and see what happens. We'll steal his glasses first. Oh. He'll, he'll sign <laughs> off on it. $23? Yeah. yeah, sure. That's a cheap dinner. <laughs> but like, can, can you think of like, I can't think personally of any piece of food I would pay that much for. And like, if I did have that money for the crab, I'd probably like, if I pay $23,000 for that crab, it's coming home with me as a pet. Like, right. Like, its name is, I don't know, it was like Sebastian was a crab, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sebastian and I are hanging out for all oh, of eternity. Was he a lobster? I'm pretty sure, now I'm envisioning him. I think he was a crab because I'm, I'm envisioning him like snapping his little. Okay. <laughs> Close. Got that? Oh, Close. <laughs> um, but I'd say like the closest I've probably ever got to paying something like that was for a bag mm. of pine nuts at Costco. You guys oh, all know how yes. expensive pine nuts are. Very expensive. I think I paid like twenty three bucks for the bag. Yeah, and that's not like twenty three thousand dollars, but still is like a lot for nuts. Right. Or the vanilla extract. Oh my god, why is vanilla extract? Right. But you can get the imitation stuff. Tastes the same to me. Mm, no. I don't know. Mm. Well, don't have my baking then. Anytime <laughs> it says vanilla extract, I'm using the fake stuff because I refuse to splurge on the big stuff. Either way, it's going to be an expensive baking season for yeah. us. Let us know the most expensive food item you've ever bought. Right. Was it a, it's probably a lobster. Or maybe the steak. Steak gets up there. Mm. Let us know if you ever bought a couple thousand dollar I'm gonna, crab. I'm going to think about that. Well, that wraps up our show for the week. Once again, this week's episode was brought to you by Erner Barry's Reporter, the quarterly news magazine for the food industry professional. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.